younger, um, Dr. David Jeremiah. He says, it is, a prof- it is profound that the Son of God became flesh to play out the story of man's redemption before our eyes on the stage of earth. God himself orchestrated the incredible drama of salvation so that his people may be restored. While some understood the plan, others missed the message entirely. While they attended the main event, they walked away from the stage with their hearts unchanged. And I would pray that that happens no more here. This is the time of year that we all begin to start seeing on the television those uh, religious blockbusters that Hollywood is so fond of, the Ten Commandments. I think I've memorized most of the dialogue of the Ten Commandments now. Ben-Hur, The Robe, The Greatest Story Ever Told, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, Generally, Hollywood knows a good drama when it sees one, uh, especially if it's one that can make money for them. So recently they've even added The Passion of the Christ, Risen, which is a movie. It's also a television event, I think, that airs this evening. And, of course, a, a movie that's just out this week that I haven't heard too much good about yet is The Young Messiah. They've added those to the list. And there might be others that escape my memory or, or my list. But when we think about the life of Jesus, it's kind of hard to miss the fact that it was marked by some pretty spectacular, uneventful event, or unforgettable events. Like the miracle of his birth, uh, his public baptism, that grueling temptation in the desert, his stunning transfiguration on the mount, uh, those dark, agonizing hours on the cross, in the, and, and also in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed to his father. And then, of course, our subject today, his triumphal, as we call it, entry into Jerusalem. These are all scenes that, in the divine drama of our redemption today, we're about to study his his entry into the city of Jerusalem that's recorded in all four Gospels. And and we refer to it as a triumphal entry, but sometimes I wonder, who was it triumphal for? It was triumphal for those who were cheering him, perhaps tearful for Christ himself, because he knew that there were some who just didn't get it yet. The importance of this event can't be underestimated, but it's often misunderstood. Jesus knew that he had made mortal enemies of the Pharisees, and yet he didn't sneak into town under the cover of darkness. With supreme faith in his father's plan and in complete submission to it, he rode into the city with great fanfare that sealed his fate on the cross. So, so confrontational was his entry into the city that the Pharisees determined with dramatic finality that Jesus must die. John 12, verses 12 to 19, gives us this record. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. 
But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem contains all the elements of any of Hollywood's dramatic productions. So what I'd like for us to do today is kind of look at the elements of that drama, starting first with the producer. And who else? God the Father. The events of that first Palm Sunday were completely and clearly orchestrated by God. And they were designed to be a part of our redemption story. Produced from heaven, the Almighty was in charge of the whole production from beginning to end. Revelation 13.8 even speaks of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The whole plan was in God's heart before the world was created. The second element we look at is the script. The script for this incredible drama preceded its playing by hundreds of years. The Old Testament prophet Zechariah wrote of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Zechariah 9.9. It said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. First, the Jews were familiar with this scripture. They had deeply anticipated this particular arrival, and they knew what to expect when the Messiah did arrive. Zechariah's prophecy was incredibly and accurately detailed. Jesus deliberately fulfilled the script that was written for him. His actions basically said, I am the Messiah that Zechariah prophesied. Everything he prophesied about me is happening now before your eyes. To those who would receive him, Jesus would be Messiah and King. But he appeared in a way different than most of them expected him to. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus sat upon a donkey. I guess a little less than a regal mount. You might expect him on a a big white charger. But he came on a donkey. Presented himself as he entered the city as a humble and lowly king. One prepared to give himself as a sacrifice. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 5, we see that the story of this donkey was fittingly miraculous in itself. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a colt the foal of a donkey. Jesus followed the script. He knew the script, and he followed the script. He did everything that it called for. He fulfilled every detail that was prophesied by Zechariah. His actions preached the gospel to the people of Jerusalem that day. 
Again, saying, I am the Messiah you've waited for. Receive me. Next, as, as all great dramas do, this one also had a musical score. John twelve thirteen, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. The choir was made up of folks who had gathered for the Passover feast. And those who had followed Jesus from Bethany. Remember, it's only about a week or so since Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And those folks that witnessed that followed him into Jerusalem. The music came from the hymnal of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms specifically. Psalm 118, verse 25. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. In the New Testament accounts, the word Hosanna is a word, again, of Hebrew origin, which you've already talked about this morning. It says, save now, I pray, O Lord. Another crucial element in our drama would be the props. Matthew 21, again, verse 7 and 8, says that Jesus entered the city and the disciples brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. John's Gospel specifies that palm branches were used. Since the days of the Maccabean Revolt, the palm was a symbol of independence for the Jews. That made the palm significant here. In longing for freedom from Roman oppression, the Jews would have waved palm branches. We will be free someday. Even the, even the temple coins from that era contain the image of a palm branch as they longed for freedom from Roman oppression. And waving the palm fronds as Jesus entered the city, the Jews hoped Jesus would overthrow the rule of the Romans and set Israel free. They didn't understand that Jesus came to give them an even greater freedom, spiritual freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from death and condemnation. Just like other dramas, there are a number of extras in this drama today. Since Israel's salvation from the plague of death that was pronounced upon Egypt at the time of the great exodus, the Jews had celebrated the Passover feast in remembrance of their salvation. Each year the Jews descended upon Jerusalem in great numbers, bringing their sacrifice in obedience to Moses' instruction in Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 and verse 6. It said, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Can you imagine the scene in Jerusalem? It's all got walls around it now, and millions of people pouring into it, and with each family, a lamb. The streets are going to be kind of crowded. Probably two million Jews would make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and each lamb had to be kept in the city for four days before sacrificing it. Then on the day of the, the Lamb of God presented himself in Jerusalem, the city was filled with people 
and with lambs. The lambs being the very uh, a type or a shadow, if you will, of the lamb who had come to provide salvation to take away the sin of the world. From John chapter 1, verse 29, we see, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It was a fitting introduction of the star of this divine drama, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. For centuries, the Passover celebration pointed to a time when God's spotless Lamb would present himself as a once and for all sacrifice. God's divine drama was orchestrated perfectly. John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist recognized the Lamb of God. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, Paul wrote, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19, Peter said, You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. <coughs> Excuse me. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. John looked in the open door of heaven and he said, I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. <laughs> and then, of course, the reviews begin. Now, it seems today everyone is a critic. And those that are published in the papers, I have to tell you, confuse me. Uh, because I find out every time they've, they want to review a movie and they hated it, I loved it. And every time they loved one, I was either bored by it, irritated by it, or just couldn't understand it. Yeah? Okay, good. I'm not crazy. It seems every Broadway actor lives for the stage, and although they deny reading the reviews, they can't wait to hear whether or not the critics got it. If the Jerusalem Bee had published the reviews of the drama from the previous day where a king entered the city on a donkey, they would have probably likely included these four following reviews. The first review came from the ignorant multitudes. Matthew records this review for us in chapter 21, verses 9 to 11. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitudes said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. That was it. According to Matthew, the whole city was moved, and the crowds had drawn the attention of the entire town. When Matthew said the city was moved, the word there is from the Greek, the Greek word sail, from which we get our word seismic or earthquake. In other words, a, a spiritual earthquake had hit Jerusalem. A visitation from God. And yet when questioned, the only report the ignorant multitude could give was that Jesus was the prophet from Nazareth, a preacher from far away. They didn't get it. 
The prophet Isaiah, in chapter 1, verse 3, said it this way. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Here's where I think that maybe his entry into Jerusalem brought tears to Jesus. The second review comes from the irritated Pharisees. Luke brings us this review, as well as Jesus' response in chapter 19, 39 to 40. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. The Pharisees wanted Jesus to silence the praise of the crowd. But his response only incited their concerns even more. In 1219, he said, look, the world has gone mad after him. The Pharisees' review was not ignorant. It was belligerent. They wanted Jesus gone. The third review, which is maybe the saddest of all, comes from his insensitive disciples. John 12, 16 tells us, His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Thank you. Alfred Edersheim, in his The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, describes the disciples as men who walked in the procession dreamlike, as though They had been dazed or bedazzled by a a brilliant light, yet understanding little of what was happening around them. Those men, the people that had been closest to him for three years, the ones to whom he had personally laid out his plan, still didn't get it. You've heard the expression, familiarity breeds contempt. Well, let's pray for sensitive insight for us into God's drama, our redemption. And then the final review comes from the instructed followers. According to John 12, 17, it said, Therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness and followed him to Jerusalem. This is important, folks. Those people who witnessed Jesus and knew who he was, they, they could tell. They've, they've seen him. They knew what he's capable of, and they had accepted the fact that this was indeed the Messiah. Bore witness. The reason I, I say that that is so significant is because those of us here who know him, who believe in him, who recognize him as indeed all-powerful God in flesh, need to do the same, to bear witness. That's why we're here. These folks recognized who Jesus was, and they understood more, at least, what was going on. How much more should we, then, be bearing witness to who he is and what it was that he did for them and for us? We who have been transformed 
by salvation. That's an incredible thing. We who know what it means to be set free from the penalties of sin. Should we not bear witness to what God is doing and what he will do in the rest of our lifetimes? I really want for us to be willing and able to tell people everywhere, Jesus is alive. Would you say that with me? Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. Whether it's through drama, whether it's through music, which, by the way, the music was great this morning, folks. It really pointed us in worship to the message. Or whether it's in writing, whether it's in speech, I want us all to be able to tell that sweet, sweet story that we have read, that we have studied, that we have sung about, and be able to tell it to anyone who will listen. His redemption of us. And we need to do it as long as we still breathe. And then next week, we're going to hear, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Well, that's a small, brief message this morning. But it's an important one. Jesus came into Jerusalem that day knowing exactly where he was going and exactly what he was going to do. And let there be no mistake, Jesus never, ever thought someone took his life from him. He gave his life willingly, obediently, and he gave it for us. Next week we'll talk about the miracle of the resurrection. Would you pray with me? Father, it's that time of year.